Well, probably more than any other time of the year, I notice how our kids are growing up. Notice that? School starts, they're growing up, another grade, and this morning, Bryson walks by me, and I'm looking up at him. I'm thinking, he just got taller than me. Whether it's off to college, we have some kids off to college, starting high school, starting middle school, uh, starting kindergarten this year, taking pictures, you see them on Facebook, and, and you notice how kids are growing. Well, that, that's what you hope they will do. And someone will always say to you, now, enjoy your kids while they're small because they're going to grow up so fast. And for those of us that remember back, people telling us, I'm thinking, no, they cannot grow up fast enough. <laughs> but then you realize when they're grown up, I should have maybe valued a little more, cherished a little more, because it's, once that happens, then, then uh, they're, they're grown and gone. But that's the way it should be. That's what you want to happen. You want to see them grow up. And when that's not happening, it, it causes a little bit of concern. We, we get involved. We want to try, to try to help out in those ways. And that is the natural, normal way that we physically grow. We, you see a baby born, they start to put on weight, they grow, they start to smile, they, they'll crawl, they'll walk, they mature, they'll go through school, they'll graduate high school, and uh, move on with life. That's what's normal, and that's in the physical realm. But it's also true in a spiritual realm that God has made you and intended you to grow. God wants you to grow in your spiritual walk. And so this morning, we're going to be prompted by really a statement by Peter in the very last of his writings to us in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. And the question I ask is, are you still growing? Are you still growing? Is God at work in your life? As you stop and think back over the last year, you've watched the kids grow. Have you grown? Have you grown spiritually? Has your life been changing over the course of the year, or has it not? God's intention is that that's taking place. And if it's not happening, I think we, it gives us a bit of a pause. So let's look at this verse, Second <clears throat> Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. So he is, and some translations may say, instead of but grow, but rather grow. We're going to look back at, at the preceding statements in a moment. But what does it mean to grow in grace? To grow in grace. We understand because we see what it means to grow physically. What does it mean to grow in grace? Well, grow, we use the word grow to progress, to move forward, to develop. Um, we're, we're making change. This is God's intended plan that he wants us to be changing. Change is not easy, but we should be, by, by Peter's description, something different than we were last year or the year before. That doesn't mean, and it's kind of like physical growth, you have growth spurts and you have times where you stay the same and you see the kids, they start eating more and then they shoot up and then they fill out. So it's not always the same, but over time, there should be growth. I still remember 
one of the cutest kids in our uh, children's ministry. This is years ago. His name was Brendan McCarty. We used to call him Mr. B. And his family had started uh, coming to church. They all came to Christ and uh, just tremendous people. And uh, we've made, remained very close to him. But he was, you know, you say, one of the cutest boys you've ever seen. He'd come in and he'd always have a little bow tie on, just look as sharp as a tack. And uh, come into church, greet everybody, talk to everybody. And we, we all called him Mr. B, Brendan. But after a while, his, his mom and dad mentioned, you know, he's, he's kind of in the lower percentile of growth and we're really concerned about him not getting taller, not growing. And, and so they took him into the doctor, started having tests, and, and found out that he had a tumor on his brain. And uh, so this goes from, you know, just all of a sudden, everything is escalated. And, and it's not a cancerous tumor, but it's in a place that's very, very difficult to operate on. And it, it affects his, his pituitary gland and his ability to be able to grow. Well, today, uh, I go to the end of the story here. Uh, he's also taller than me. <laughs> and uh, they were able to do a successful surgery on Brendan. And, uh, but I still remember him as, as little Mr. B. This is a tiny, little, cute little kid. And, um, but but it, it becomes a concern to parents when we're not, we're not developing, we're not changing, we're not maturing. And I think it should be also a concern as we look in, in the spiritual realm if we are not growing, developing, or maturing. And I hope that this morning can be like, and, and this is, I think, the way God's Word is. It's like a mirror that we can look into and reflect back upon ourselves to help us to do some healthy examination because the best life, let me just challenge you in this way, the best life is when you are growing, when you are developing, when God's grace is at work in your life and you are sensing the reality of that. He mentions specifically to grow in grace. Now, the nature of grace is spiritual, It's something that's internal inside. It's something that is lasting. Uh, We think of the values of truth, beauty, and and goodness. Uh, All of those things, what I would describe as grace, is poured out from God. We need to recognize that the source of grace is what is poured out from God. And James says it this way, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. John Piper said, After the word Jesus, there is no sweeter word in all the Bible than grace. Grow in grace. Grace is the the constant working of God in us. And I would describe describe it this way. Grace is God's goodness poured out to us through His Son. So if you think of us on this earth, and God wants us to grow by what He is pouring out to us. In other words, all of God's goodness, His riches, His blessings, His working, all of the the fullness of God being poured out in love to us is what He wants. He wants us to be able to receive that by faith, His gifts. In Philippians 4, Paul says, But my God shall supply all your need according to the riches of His glory. That's his design, and it's through his son. We, we think that how does God channel this? How does God pour out his grace? How does God get his grace of all that he is poured out to you? He does this through his son, the Lord Jesus. And 
What's interesting about this verse when he talks about grow in the grace and knowledge, grace and knowledge, and it's always good to kind of dive into what words are saying and what they're meaning, because when he he talks about through his son, I want you to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus. Now, there are several words that can be translated knowledge. One of them, one of them is an intellectual capacity. In other words, you, you're able to identify something, you learn about that, you know the facts. There's another word for knowledge that is that you know that because you have experienced it. And there's a difference. The word is gnosko. And to me, it's a, it's a New Testament word that I think has great weight and great power in our understanding that when God's grace is to affect us. It's not just intellectually. It's not just the knowledge of us being able to file away facts. It's the knowledge that we have experienced. We have experienced His grace, and we experience it on a regular basis. Now, when I, when I think of grace as a believer, the, the Bible teaches us that we're saved by grace through faith. So if you were to ask a person, uh, how, how do you get to heaven? How do you know you have eternal life? How do you find uh, rescue from this world? It's by grace through faith. So we call that saving grace. But I, but I think that a lot of us get the mentality, okay, God, you know, you've saved me by grace through faith. I'll take it from here. And so we, we tend to live our lives by our own deeds, our own works, our own abilities. And just and, and then we call on God when we need him. And so we just we go, we move on, we get desperate, we call upon God. But the design is that is the same way that we come to salvation and eternal life by grace through faith is the same way that we grow. We grow by trusting in his work and we learn by experience. Now, if I were to tell you I, I know something, I know how to change a tire. I know a lot of things because of my driving experience uh, with the, the beaters I used to drive. But um, I've changed many, many tires on my cars. Now, I've met young people now that have cars, are driving around going to school, they've never changed a tire. They've never, and, and then when it happens, it's like, what do I do? Now, I could tell you I've watched YouTube and I know how to change a tire. Or I can tell you I know how to change a tire because I have done that. Now, that, that's in the physical realm. There's one thing to know intellectually, or I can read the manual and I can tell you, and I think we have a lot of Christians like that. We know it up here, but we've never really experienced it. In a spiritual realm, I could tell you, and I, and I have for, for now 40 years since I've been in, in some sort of ministry helping people who've lost a loved one. And you say, do you know what to say? I said, I, well, I mean, it's not like I just comes to the tip of my tongue, or I, I have the, the, the words that calm everybody. But, I, but many, many, many times I have gone to someone's home, and they've just lost someone they're really close to. And, and I've read from Scripture, and I've prayed with them, and I've encouraged them, and, and I, I hope that I've helped them. But can you believe this? It's not until this year. Uh, we lost my mom. We lost my nephew, and we lost my father-in-law. And so now I could say this. I know what it's like. I, I know that. It, it's, 
And, and I know many of you have gone through this and, and on many levels of the Christian life. It, it's one thing to, to have an academic knowledge of Christianity. And I fear that that's what, what happens to us. And especially for those of us that have been Christians for a very long time, it becomes an academic thing. And we're really not growing and, and developing in ways that God has intended. We're not coming to know the truth, to know, I know that's true. I know that's true because I've experienced it in my life. So what, what Peter is saying is that I want you to grow in grace. That is to develop, mature, change by what God is doing in your life. Grace is what God is pouring out. It's what you receive. It what is what changes your life. It's not just that you know about this, but that you have experienced this in a real way. So a second question that I <clears throat> would ask myself when I, when I look at our text is, what does growing in grace look like? How would you identify a person growing in grace? Now, we know how to identify kids that are growing up. Um, how many of you had your parents measure you on the on the the door or on the wall someplace in the basement? They draw a line, and you're you're kind of I was kind of trying to stand as tall as I I could, and uh, I still do that when I go to the doctor. By the way, because I know I'm shrinking, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny how you never get out of that. Trying to stretch as tall as I've tr- and I've tried to to be as light as I can too, but that hasn't been able to work because they always find it when you're trying to cheat by leaning on something uh, for your physical. Well, you know, you see, you see the kids with high waters. You know, they, hey, mom, I need some new pants. <laughs> and it's funny because you you've seen that so many times. The kids are, I'm going into kindergarten, and my, my my pants are up to here. And we see changes. Uh, they grow up. They they grow in spurts. Uh, their voice changes. Uh, they go through that that geeky awkward stage. They get into high school. Uh, all of these things are evidences that there is something going on changing. And we could define it in a lot of ways. I could define it by their personality, how they look, uh, how their hair is. Um, many, many ways specifically that we could define them. But generally speaking, we would say you're looking more and more like an adult and less and less like a child. That's what happens. So you go from a baby or a child to an adult. doesn't happen overnight. <clears throat> in fact, if you stare really hard, you can't see them grow. <laughs> Uh, but it's, it's happening. And, and that's why sometimes I'll say I, I may not have seen one of the kids for a few weeks, and I just thought, they just shot up. I mean, <clears throat> I was walking in today, I just noticing that, because, of course, I've been thinking along those lines, how, how the kids are growing, they're changing, uh, even in their personalities. So if I were to describe to uh, you the physical change of one of my kids as they were growing up, I would be able to give you all of those things. But in the most simplest form is that they went from looking like a child to looking like an adult. And I think in the same way in a spiritual realm, how would I define a person who is being changed by God's grace? They are growing, they are growing in God's grace. I would say that what it looks like would be kind, Loving, gentle, patient, unselfish, joyful, content, self-controlled, full of goodness. Uh, But if I were to sum all that up, if I were to sum all that up, you are looking less and less like the old you and more and more like Jesus. I mean, 
simply said, because that is the change that God wants to make. Now, you're still going to look like you. But over time, as people who know you and watch you, they're going to realize that you are not the same person. As I said, it's not always dramatic. It's not like, wow, I saw you last week. You are totally different. No. But a year ago to this year, you have learned, you have grown. God's grace has been something you've known Ginosko. You've realized, you've experienced God's grace, and it has changed you. Your countenance changes. Your actions change. Your words change. And your life begins to be defined by not the great things that you might do on your own, but your life becomes defined by grace. It's like Christ. You look like Jesus. You act like Jesus. You respond like Jesus. You've heard of a familiar book called, uh, the, um, the phrase in it was by Sheldon, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Uh, and I, I hate it when I think that. <laughs> you know, whenever I wonder, well, what, what am I going to do here? And I always have a sense of justice and right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to tell them this. And I think, what would Jesus do? Oh, because it's different than what I would do. It's different than what I would do. So most simply, it is this. That over a 20-year span for your child growing up physically, you have watched that body transform and change and mature and develop. Now, when time goes by as you've become a Christian, you, you have been born into God's family. Jesus Christ lives in you. You have a hope in heaven. God's will for you, God's intent for you is to totally, radically, powerfully change your life. And to change you to be more like Jesus. We think over time, in the physical scope, from conception to birth to life and death, it's spanned out over time, whatever time that might be. In the spiritual scope, we we go from the grace of God drawing us to Himself, because I think even before you're born again, even before, um, it's like this in the physical birth, uh, someone has a baby, we have a birthday. Well, there was stuff going on inside that mom before the baby was born, right? <laughs> There's stuff going on. And before you became a Christian, there was stuff going on. And every one of you know that. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior, you can go back to see how God in His grace was working in your life to bring you to that point. That's His grace. He draws you to Himself. His grace saves you. His grace develops you. And His grace will be the the very thing that presents you before God for eternity. And that's what what, uh, Peter talks about when he says at the very end of this verse, to Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. What's the day of eternity? Well, it's when we transition from this life into eternity and we'll forever be with Christ. And that's the day that you will quit that spiritual growth. That, that The growth goes until that point. Um, I think in a lot of things I, I could grow and um, get better at. And I've kind of seen this habit in my life. It's like taking up golf. 
I don't play a lot of golf now, but, I, but, but almost anything, any kind of sport that I get myself into, I, I would get good enough to where I could enjoy it. But I was never really great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you kind of get to the, you get to a point where you're not going to totally embarrass yourself. And, and now you're comfortable. And so I can go out, and, uh, and I shouldn't say this because I probably uh, sliced the ball into the, the trees, but uh, I get to the point where I can, I'm comfortable with it. And then I don't do any more. I think we do that as Christians. I think we get enough knowledge, enough awareness, enough ability to, to, you know, to talk the talk, to be able to go through life. And, it, and, and we lose the intensity that we once had when we were new Christians. Now, I don't know how it was for you when you first became a Christian, but, but typically what will happen when a, first, a person realizes what God has done in saving them and what God has given them and what God has offered them, a very common thing will be just to study and read and grow and learn and be excited about it. And that can taper off. But this is something that should be happening, and I, when I talk about in one year, from 2016 to 2017, the middle of September, and we're getting ready to launch into the fall. From this last year, uh, last year, have you grown? Have you grown in God's grace? Is your life different? Is your life more like Jesus than it was a year ago? A question that, that I ask, too, is... How does this work? <laughs> it's kind of the pragmatic question. What are the means of grace? How does God's grace change my life? And I've, I've shared this before in probably different angles and different ways, but, but when we talk about a means of grace or the way God, what God uses, what God uses to change you, what are, what are the things that impact the pressure points to change your life? And I've written a lot of things down, and I've tried to condense these to, to what I feel are, are five that I, I feel you can't go less than these. And, and each one of these is an amazing work of how God works by His grace to change your life. The first one is He gives you His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God taking up residence in your life to change you. Now, when does that happen? That, that happens when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. It's what we, we say it, being born again. You become part of God's family. And he told his disciples this. He said, I'm going to give you my spirit. So God the Spirit lives in me, and he is the one who orchestrates all of these things. He directs my thoughts. He teaches me. He, he brings me into conviction about things. He brings me to awareness. He, he directs and orders my steps through life. And he is very active in, in wanting to do this. And this is a gift from God. When we talk about grace, grace is a gift. It's a gift from God. God gives you himself. Now, I mean, there's no better gift than God giving you himself. And it's not just he gives you 10 minutes once a week. You know, I've tried to get appointments with important people before, and I walk out laughing. I'm serious. I mean, I walk out laughing because I think, well, we can see you next year. I can see you in six months. Well, let me see if I can find five minutes to let you see in the most 
important person. And I get, I, I feel like, I, I want to laugh. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to bother with that. But here is the most important person in all of the universe. And he gives you himself 24-7. I mean, he said it himself, I will never leave you or forsake you. Do you realize what kind of gift that is? In fact, when I list the other four, to me, they're all subordinate to this. It's amazing when you think about the gift of God's grace When you have God in you, living in you, causing you, helping you to grow, to change, to become like Him. Last last night, I typically on Saturday Saturday nights take a walk and just pray over the message. And I was imagining in my mind um, walking with Jesus. You know, I just kind of walking on the sidewalk, and I just imagining what it would be like if I was in the New Testament day and I was able to walk with Jesus and have a conversation. <laughs> and then I realized, well, it's true. It is. It's a reality. I mean, I don't see him because he's a spirit and he's living in me, and you can't get any closer than in me, can you? I mean, I, is that close, that close, a mile away, five miles away, ten minutes away? There is no limit on time. There is no limit on space. God gave you the gift of himself to live in you. And and one of the, the, the most important things he's there to do is to help you to grow. That's exciting. Secondly, he gives us his word. He gives us his word. Now, I, I realize and I try to respect this fact when I, when I, when I say to people, this is the word of God. It's what I believe. Now, there, you walk through Boulder and walk down Pearl Street and say, how many of you believe that this is the Word of God? There are going to be people that say, I don't believe that. All I would say is, God claims this is the Word. It To me, when I've investigated it, it proves out, over all the years I've studied this book, it proves out in consistency to be the Word of God. Over 4,000 years, 40 authors, all of this coming together without conflict, perfectly formed together and unified. I don't understand everything, but everything I've investigated, I've never found a fault with it. And the, to me, the biggest thing is I found it to be true in my life. I found it, I found it to have a transforming power in my life, this book. That's my, that's my testimony. That, that's, my, that's my appeal to a person. Check it out. Investigate it. You don't believe it? Investigate it. See if these claims are, are true. Now, what's exciting is that, that God's Word has been given, given to me. It's his, his, he's speaking to me. God is speaking to me. And I liken it to my dad, uh, my, my father, like my heavenly father, son, and I, and I think of my dad now, he speaks out wisdom. <laughs> now, dads aren't perfect, so whenever you make that comparison, it's not a perfect example. But usually, when a dad speaks to a son, is you want to give him good advice, good instruction, and help. The Word of God is God speaking to me. Wow, isn't that? And he, he has said, my words are true. My words are sufficient. I have everything in his word that I need to, to, to live the Christian life. That's grace. 
This, this book is a gift. Do you know that there, there are people in, around the world that are persecuted that will have pages, and they'll, they'll just have one page of the Bible. They don't have a Bible. They have just one page of the Bible. They wad it up, and they stick it in a watch or stick it in a ring, and they hide it, and they'll memorize it. You come to America, and you, we've got Bibles stacked everywhere. You go to my study, I've got this kind of Bible, this kind of Bible, this kind of Bible. We've got Bibles everywhere. But these people just, they'll get the Word of God, and it's like, He's speaking to me. He's speaking to me. And it's, it's not only true and sufficient for everything that we need, it's also practical and relevant. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't like reading things that aren't, don't have any practical relevance. I'm just kind of, I think, I don't know, what's that, what's the relevance? There is nothing, there is nothing written in all the world that has more relevance than this book. So that's his gift. He speaks to us. The third, so we have the Holy Spirit, God giving himself, the word, his, the Father speaking to you, and prayer is me speaking back to God. Now, when I think back to when, when I was younger, it's mostly my dad talking to me. <laughs> and, uh, but I remember the day that things started to change where I'm talking back to my dad. Not, not in a disrespectful way, but I'm, I'm, we're having conversation. We're having conversation. I tell you, there is nothing as a, as a dad now that I enjoy more than having conversations with my kids. Are you that way too? I mean, it's like, it's not just you're telling them things. Now, there, there's probably a, a time in life when you're telling them a lot of things and they're just kind of looking at you. <laughs> no response. <laughs> and uh, you don't feel like that's not really relationship. Now, you still have father, you still have son. Uh, yeah, he's speaking the truth to you. He's talking to you, but, but there's not a lot of response. You know, back, back in the days when I would say, yes, sir, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I understand, sir. <laughs> but when the, when the time comes, hey, Dad, I got a problem. I need some help. Whoa! This is, I love this. Not, not the problem, but I love the fact that now, with my son, I've got a, I've got a relationship. He's, he's speaking back to me. We're talking. And this is what prayer is. Prayer is our expression back to God. It is praise. It is thanksgiving. It is unloading our cares and concerns. I do that a lot on, on my walks. I just unload everything on God. He tells us to do that. He says, cast all your care on me. So I do it. And I, I ask for his advice. I ask for his help. There are certain needs that I have that I pray, Lord, would you help me with this? Dad, can you give me a hand? You know, typically when you go through that span of life, <laughs> sometimes it's longer than others. I'm not going to ask for any help. Remember the one time I, I, I said to my dad, I said, and this was when I was a, a young adult, I said, Dad, I didn't want to call you and ask for help. And he said, son, I'd hope you'd be, I'd be the first person you call and ask for help. But see, when I, when I would call my dad and ask for help and he would help me, that just, it just, and that's what God desires with you, relationship. Just not one way him speaking his word to you. But both ways, you responding to him in prayer. And this is a gift. A prayer is a gift of grace. And, and we can't really grow without it. You can't grow without the Holy Spirit. You can't grow without the Word. You can't grow without prayer. 
The next one is really exciting. This is number four. Instrument of God's grace. Trials. (laughs) Difficulties. Pressures. Tensions. Resistance. Now I'd like to just skip this one (laughs) because I always figured that's a really good one to give to someone else. (laughs) But did you know that an instrument of grace, a gift of grace for you is your present trial. It is your present tension. Oh, think about this. If I get sick and I'm in bed for six months and I don't move, what happens to my body? starts to atrophy, doesn't it? You see people that are in body casts or in casts for a long period of time. Little Amy's kind of fortunate. She just has three weeks and she's out of her cast, so she'll be, she won't even feel that probably. But you think when, when you, you take a body part and you immobilize it, then it's going to atrophy. The muscles start to shrink. So what I like in this is, is like to the muscle is resistance, is resistance. So when you're lifting a weight, the resistance helps that muscle, muscle be active. So you have the truth. Uh, that's the muscle. The, the, the truth is, 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 is in the grace that God wants you to use. But, but if, if it stays inactive, it's going to start to shrink. So God brings in resistance into your life so that it will test the truth of His grace. And when you call on Him and depend upon Him and lean upon Him, you come to know, you know His grace. It's not just intellectual. But I don't think, I mean, I, I, I am the one who says, Lord, um, bless our family. <laughs> You know, and I would say this, I don't want any problems, help everybody to be healthy, we don't want any tragedy, give us all, you know, I mean, I'm, that's, that's the life I would like, okay, that's, that's the life none of us have, am I right? So I tell you, that's still in my heart to pray, God just, uh, sometimes when you have a sequence of challenges, Lord, can I just have a break, it just seems like, but that's true with everyone. God has brought into your life and it's usually different than some, the person sitting next to you, but he's brought something into your life that tests, that pushes on you. It's, it's resistance. And, and what it does, it, it, it proves out true the promises of his grace. And so I, I do, I, I pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Uh, lead me not into a path. You know, bless my, I, I pray this all the time, bless my kids, bless the grandkids with good health. I, I do that. I pray for that. I don't think it's wrong to pray for that. But, but I, I realize that the ideal life is never realized by any of us. And, and, and I think that until we can realize that the present tension in my life is a gift of grace because it brings me to greater maturity and it gives me the capacity to reflect Jesus to a world that needs him. Now, it's a hard point. Number four is a hard one. And then one more, 
and I and and then I'll be done with these. But I but I think that each one of these has has power of of effect and change and grace. The last one is other believers. Now I don't know, you know, in in in, in this group of people, you know, we have probably a little hundred people, a little over hundred people here. Um, I'm not sure if every single person in here has put their faith and trust in Jesus personally, but 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 I'd say a very large majority. Majority of people have done that, okay? So we we have a connection. We are children of God. And and God describes us as a body, as a body. Like you have the eye, the ear. I mean, you, you see in Scripture how he explains all this. And he says, the hand can't say, I don't need the foot. You, you need the foot. But we can get that way. I don't need the ear, or I'm more important than the nose, the eyes more important than the mouth. But he said, the head of this body is Christ. But every person, every believer has a part. Now, Valley may not be the church for, it's not the church for everyone, you know, and I, I really don't even push that. I say, you know what, but, but be part of a healthy body that really encourages you and you're able to encourage others because you need it. You need it. And I'm, I'm just thrilled if someone says, you know, I found another place to go. Great, great. But to say, I don't need that. You know, to say, and, and, and there are a lot of reasons why we pull back. I mean, there, there can be a zillion things that make you pull back. Uh, you could be proud, think I don't need it. I'm so spiritual. You know, now most people aren't that way. We say, I'm so spiritual, I don't need any help. Or you could be, I've been burned. You know what? I'm not getting burned again. That happens to a lot of people. And the, the, the truth is, um, we're, full of, we're full of people trying to be like Christ, but none of us is like Christ. <laughs> so you start to realize that, that you, you, you live with flawed people. But one of the gifts that God gives to you to grow in grace, His gift of grace, is the church. And I'm not talking about a building. But I'm talking about other believers. It's your family. It's your family. Now, we have seen kids born into this world without a family. You seen that? And some of you have really made it a ministry of taking these kids in to your home and giving them a family. But it is hard to grow and develop and change and, and be adjusted to life as a kid when you have no family. Your family is your security, your help, your support, your encouragement. And, and you know what? There is not a person in here that doesn't need that, including me. In fact, I as much as everybody else. It gives accountability. It gives help. It gives support. And that's how we're to live. And so when, when we cut that off, we really miss a part of God's grace working in us to change us to make us like Christ. So when, when I've prayed for this church particularly, I'm not praying that we have the greatest programs in Colorado or that we have the greatest preaching or the greatest... I'm praying that we have the healthiest body of people. That we just be healthy. That we, we love one another. We care for one another. We support one another. We do that no matter what. 
without criticism, without, without judgment, yet with discernment and accountability, all those things. But this is the gift of God He has given to us to be able to grow. So those, those are, to me, the indispensable five, and, um, and I hope that that's, that's an encouragement and help to you as God has that plan. So that is what He pours out. So if, if, let me just kind of wrap this up here. That's what God pours out. His grace, His grace, okay. But God can, God can pour out all the grace He wants and run right off your back. Grace, you know, salvation and spiritual growth is not, well, God does His part, I'm going to do mine. Okay, God, you do your part, I'm going to do mine. No, but... but my, my participation in grace is that I cooperate with it. In other words, when God is pouring out His goodness, like He gives me His Spirit, I cooperate with His Spirit. He gives me His Word, I obey His Word. He gives me prayer, I exercise prayer. He gives me trials, I thank Him for my trials because I know He is doing good. When He gives me a family... I engage in my family. So, so it, God does it all, just like salvation. God does it all. Grace is all of God. But if I do not cooperate, I don't enjoy it. I don't have it. I don't receive it. So this is what God has given. God has planned for all of us. And you know what, folks? There is no better life than growing in grace. So you might ask this, so why doesn't everybody grow in grace? Why, why? I mean, if it's so good, what you're saying is true, why doesn't everybody do that? Well, it's interesting because the context of, this is the last verse in the chapter and in the letter. It's actually the last part of the paragraph. And you think, the last statement he says, but grow in grace. What's the context of that? He said, he is, is literally, rather, rather, instead, grow in grace. Instead of what? If you go back up to, to verse 14, he, he speaks to them. He says, you're, you're waiting for these. As you're waiting for these, be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish. In other words, when you're, wait, you're waiting to be in heaven. We're, we're waiting on earth to be in heaven. And he said, uh, the patience of God, and, and, and why, he talks about the patience of God, which is quickly to explain that, is you say, why doesn't God just do it now? Why doesn't he just come now? I mean, I'm tired. Have any of you ever said that? I'm just tired of this world. I just want to be in heaven. Anybody here? <laughs> um, why is God waiting so long to just kind of get it done? Well, the nice thing would be that everybody here that's a believer be right with Jesus. That's wonderful. How many thousands of people are still in Boulder who have never heard of Jesus? So that's why he waits, okay? It's, it's, it's out of the goodness of God. For us, it's a struggle, but it's his, his patience. Then he goes on to say, Paul wrote to you. He refers back to Paul, and he said a lot of hard things to understand, which other people, ignorant and unstable people, twist to their own destruction. That's in verse 16. He says, you therefore, beloved, in verse 17, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. 
How are you carried away? How do you drift away? And I think there are a lot of ways that we drift away into instability from false teaching or false belief with other people. And we, we drift from growing. That's why he says after that, he says, rather, I want you to grow in grace. Don't be drifting away. Rather, grow in grace. So I'm kind of circling around to the beginning <laughs> to kind of bring it into context. Why don't we all grow? Well, we tend to drift. We tend to stumble. stumble. We, we tend to lose our stability. How do we do that? I think sometimes we, we, we live in disobedience. In other words, there's something in your life you know God's not pleased with, and you refuse to change it. Ever been there? I mean, <clears throat> I think we've all been there. You know, you know something's right or something's wrong, and you just keep doing it. Well, what you do is, is you just stagnate the stability of your life. You're not going to grow. You cannot grow. If you're saying no to God on any point, another thing is we get, we get busy. I mean, this, this life today, I mean, it, you see it with cell phones too. Is it's just, we're, we're multitasking. We're just busy, 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 busy. You don't have time. You don't have time for God. You don't have time to pray. You don't have time to talk to Him. You don't have time to read the Word. You don't have time to fellowship with other believers to encourage them. You don't have time for His grace. And so what you do is you live in your flesh. You live in your way. And, and your life becomes consumed with just living your life the way you're going to live it. It's not marked by Christ-likeness because you've gotten too busy. You say, well, we're all too busy. But, but something has to change. We can get sidetracked with lesser things. Don't even need to be sinful things, but you know what? You start you start chasing things in this world that are very temporal, very fleeting, not that important, and neglect the greater things. And then I think I wrote last down here is we get tired and weary, and I can understand this because it's happened to me. I get tired and weary of the battle of fighting, and I want to give up. I just don't feel like it. Don't feel like reading the Word. Don't feel like going to church. Of course, I have to, <laughs> but it's kind of like, it's, uh, it's a little different for me. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm the same way. There are times I just don't feel like being with God's people, don't feel, like, don't feel like praying, don't feel like reading. And my trial that I'm going through, I just, I, I, I just get upset with God about it. I mean, it, it, so that, that's what can happen if I drift away and I lose the disciplines of grace. So, to me, I would say to you that the, the admonition of Peter, in, in conclusion here, the admonition of Peter is the best life possible. The life God intended for you is that you not be stagnant in your Christian walk, but you are growing in grace. You see the ways God impacts your life with grace, and you cooperate with every one of those. And God begins to bring to you the greatest joy and experience. You know how it is when, with your kids, you, the, the joy of relationship. There's no greater joy than the relationship that we have with God, our Heavenly Father. And that's what He's designed for us to do. So I, I, I ask you this. Over the last year, say 12 months, 14 months, in what ways have you grown? In what ways have you grown? And try to think about that a little bit. I'm, not, I'm talking about growing in grace. 
and, and give thanks to God for that. Because a lot of us may not have grown like we should have grown, but we have grown. We're different. We're different. And then recommit yourself to this growing in grace and seeing God's will fulfilled in your life. Because the greatest joy for your Heavenly Father and the greatest delight that you'll ever experience is when you become more and more like Jesus Christ and less and less like your old self. And that's true for all of us. Let's bow together as we pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word, and it hits us where we live. It's such a rich admonition that Peter gives us. Help us to grow, to grow in your grace, to next year this time not be the same because the impact of what you have done in our lives. And bless us, Lord. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.